2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you for this warning in this passage that, God, there are those around us and even among us and in us who seek to destroy us, God. Lord, Jesus told us it would happen. Paul is telling us it will happen. Peter tells us it will happen. And so, God, help us to be on guard today as we think about false teaching in the church, as we seek to avoid that and to seek to cling to Christ. So, God, even as we look through this sobering text, God, may we see a beautiful picture of Jesus, God, who loves us, who shepherds us, who seeks to be with us and to know us and to save us fully in the end. So, God, we pray that you would bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So there are frauds all around us, if you didn't know. Maybe you open your email one morning, and there is a Nigerian prince who wants to give you his inheritance. All you have to do is reply, reply with all of your bank account information. Or you get a text message that you are Amazon's number one customer, and they're going to give you a free computer if you would just verify your information with your full name and social security number. Or maybe you get a phone call saying the IRS is calling and you owe them thousands of dollars. And if you don't wire that money today, you're going straight to federal prison. Hopefully you can see through all of these scams, right? Hopefully we can realize that these emails and calls and text messages, that they're, on, that they're shady and that, it, and that we need to be on guard from these kind of things. I mean, if you don't know, there's no way a Nigerian prince wants to give you all of his money. There's no way that you're Amazon's best customer. And there's no way that you're going to be sent to prison over the phone. So these things are obviously scams. They're, they're false. And it can be so easy to see right through them. But what happens when the scam hits closer to home? What happens when the scam comes in the name of Jesus? What happens when the, the scam is in the form of a book, a number one Christian book on the shelves? What happens when the scam comes to you through the hottest worship song of the season? Or what happens when the scam comes through the preacher who is saying the name of Jesus with a Bible in his hand? 
I mean, it can be easy to know that this Nigerian prince guy is a scam, but it's not so easy when it's a pastor claiming to speak for God. It can be easy to know that that text from Amazon isn't true, but what about that text from a friend who claims to be a Christian but tells you to do something the Bible clearly says don't? You see, the truth is that the church is filled with false teachers. Jesus told us it would be. Paul is telling us it will be. I mean, we can even look around today and see that it's true. So as God's people, we're called to keep our guard up and guard the gospel. That's what this series in 2 Timothy is about, guarding the gospel. And one of the ways we do that is through avoiding false teachers. So today, God is calling us through his word to be careful of the teaching that we allow into our lives and into our church. He's calling us to to watch the lives of people around us. And he's calling us to be fruitful in the power of the gospel. So today I want us to see how we can guard ourselves from the false teachers, how we can avoid them, and how we can stick with Jesus. So number one, the first way, very simply, is be careful. Be careful. Paul is still helping Timothy to deal with these false teachers in the church. Remember, that's one of the main reasons he wrote First and Second Timothy. We saw last week a beautiful picture of how Timothy is to treat his opponents with kindness and patience and gentleness. But that doesn't mean things are always going to be easy. So Paul moves here in chapter 3 to give us a vivid description of these false teachers and how to avoid them. Notice what it says in verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Paul says in the last days, and he means the time between Jesus' ascension to heaven and the time where he will return from heaven to the earth again. We are now, in this moment, living in the last days. And because of that, there's danger and there's evil gunning for us. That's what Paul means when he says that word difficulty in verse 1. He's talking about the danger and the evil that is seeking to destroy us, even from within the church. Jesus told us in Matthew 7, 15, that fierce wolves would creep into the church dressed up as sheep. Paul told the elders in Acts 20, this this church that Timothy is leading, that there will be men coming from among them who will twist the truth and lead others astray. Back in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, Paul writes this, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. See, Paul is not trying to sugarcoat things here. He's doing his best to warn Timothy and to warn us that there will be false teachers in the church. They will be evil. They are dangerous. And that means we have to be careful. You know, scissors were a pretty great invention, right? I mean, whoever decided way back in history to to take two knives and snap them together so you can cut stuff with one hand. I mean, that's a great idea. That's pretty amazing. But whoever invented scissors must not have had kids. I mean, one of the most terrifying moments as a parent is when your two-year-old runs into the room holding a pair of scissors. I mean, you're jumping up off the couch, you're, you're running over, you're grabbing those scissors quickly because they're dangerous. You've got to be careful with scissors. But here's the thing. Not many of us Christians are very careful when it comes to false teaching in the church. I mean, we can jump to accept the latest popular book, 
We can run to that new worship song everyone's singing. We can grab onto that new preacher everybody loves. But friends, that makes us like that two-year-old playing with scissors. It's not going to go well. So God is calling us today to be careful. We're, we're living in the last days, and that means there is evil and danger even in the church. There are those who look like sheep but are really wolves seeking to devour us, even if they don't know it. So here are just a few ways that we need to be careful. First, we need to, to be careful of any teaching that goes beyond the Bible. Take the ministry of Bethel Church in, in Redding, California. They're, they have a view of miracles that goes way beyond the Bible. And really their influence has come into the church through their music. They, they teach that it's God's will always to heal someone. They, in their services, shout at the angels who are sleeping among them to, to wake them up. They will lay on graves of dead preachers to try to soak the Spirit's anointing up out of the body. Now, their songs might be catchy, but that teaching goes way beyond what the Bible teaches about miracles and healings. And it's false. And so we have to be careful of anything that goes beyond what the Bible teaches. Another way to be careful, be, be careful of any teaching that puts you at the center. Take Jen Hatmaker's new book, Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire. It's targeted for Christian women, and it's all about you. Your wants, your dreams, your needs, your truth. This book is about putting you at the center of everything. I mean, the subtitle of the book is The Guide to Being Glorious, You. Friends, you are not at the center of everything. Jesus is. And he doesn't say seek our own happiness no matter what. He says seek to serve and love others no matter what. Jesus doesn't say follow your dreams at all costs. He says take up your cross and follow me no matter what it costs. So be careful of any teaching that puts you at the center. And also be careful of any teaching that just makes little of Jesus. Take the teaching of Stephen Furtick. He's the pastor of Elevation Church in North Carolina, Charlotte. He's got charisma. He has got a lot of energy, but he doesn't make much of Jesus. I mean, he preaches the Bible, but he'll make it about you and not about Jesus. He preaches that salvation comes through your total surrender to God, not through the work that Jesus did on your behalf. And he preaches really that Jesus is just a means to get what we really want in life. Money, success, happiness. He makes very little of Jesus. And so we need to be careful of teaching that makes very little of Jesus. Now notice I said careful. I didn't say condemn. I'm not condemning any of these people. God is the one who knows their heart and can judge them in the end. But we are called to be discerning. And we need to be careful about the teaching that we receive. Now, we're not called to be critical and to think that everyone is always wrong. We're not called to be cynical and think the worst out of everybody. We're not called to be condescending and think that we're better than these people. But we are called to be careful, to have our guard up, to be just as concerned as we would be with a two-year-old running in the room with scissors. 
God's word is calling us to avoid false teachers, and we will never do that if we're not careful. So brothers and sisters, in the last days, there is evil and danger even in the church. So let's be careful together. Number two, not only must we be careful, but we need to be watchful. Be watchful. So Paul turns now in verse two to to show us what these false teachers are like. He gives us this long list of 18 activities or character qualities that these men engage in. And notice, just look with me at how they're kind of put together in in pairs. Look at verse 2. For people will be lovers of self and lovers of money. Those two go together. Then he said they will be proud and arrogant. Those go together. And really the whole list is kind of paired up this way. And it's a sad description of what happens when sin infects someone's whole life. I'm not going to look at every single one of these today, but, but notice the three that stand out talking about love, the things that these people love. Notice first in verse 2 that they are lovers of self. We live in a world that teaches us to love yourself first. But think about this is the first thing that comes to Paul's mind when he thinks about these false teachers. And it makes sense, right? I mean, what would motivate someone to spread lies through the church? There must be some sort of selfish gain in that, right? I mean, if they truly loved other people, they wouldn't be seeking to deceive them. The heart of these false teachers is a love of self rather than a love of other people. Notice also in verse 2 that they love money. Behind all of this false teaching is the motivation to get rich and using their position to get money. And friends, this is not just a problem for TV preachers today flying around in private jets. I mean, in the Bible, these people were there too. Even in the Old Testament, God condemns the priests and the prophets for getting rich. Read the book of Micah. He talks about it. So it's no wonder that then and today, false teachers are often very rich. I wonder why. Well, it's because they love money. That's what he says here. At the heart of these false teachers is a love of money rather than a love of doing Good. And then notice lastly, he says that they love pleasure down in verse 4. Paul ends the list with this, this phrase. They love pleasure. They are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Paul says in Philippians 3.19 about false teachers that their God is their belly. Meaning it's their passions and their pleasures that motivates them through life. The passions of the flesh for power and prestige and praise of others. You see, there's no love of God in them, just a love of pleasure. And so it's no wonder then that these false teachers often, even today, fall into immorality. Because it's not God that they love, it's pleasure that they love. At the heart of these false teachers is a love of pleasure rather than a love of God. So you see, wherever we find the love of self and the the love of money and the love of pleasure, we're probably going to find some sort of a false teacher as well. God is calling us to avoid these people. So how how do we do that? Then what, what are we to do? Well, we need to be watchful. We need to watch people's lives. We need to watch them to see if they truly believe the gospel. They could be the best preacher in the world, but if their life is filled with these things, then in some sense there's a falseness there. 
So Paul reminds Timothy in verse 10, next week we'll look at it, that Timothy is to watch his life. You've watched how I've lived, how I trusted in Christ, how I've lived my life. Paul is calling us to keep our eyes on people, to, to be watchful. You know, I think we have a problem of celebrity in the American church. And what we need to do is put more spiritual stock in the leaders that God has placed in this church. Because here's the truth. You can often see someone's public ministry, but you can't see their life. I mean, no matter how fruitful someone's public ministry is, we still can't see their life from afar. I mean, we can see how John Piper preaches amazing sermons, but how does the man treat his wife? We see Tim Keller write amazing books, but how does he treat his staff? Jen Wilkins leads amazing conferences, but how does she treat her kids? Now, I'm not saying any of these people don't honor God with their families. I pray that they do. I hope they do. I'm just saying we can't know, right? But you can know me. You can know Lance. You can see the way that we treat our kids and our wives, how we treat people in this church. I mean, we can be thankful for these people in their public ministries. We can be blessed by them. We can, we can see God do great things through them. But we need more spiritual stock in the leaders that we can actually watch. People we can actually see. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. He's saying, watch me and follow me as you see me follow Christ. Imitate those people that you see follow Christ. We need to watch other people's lives. And really, we need to watch our own lives, too. I mean, it could be easy to read through this list and say, man, everybody out there is awful, right? Those false teachers are terrible. And we can fail to see how these sins or these temptations may even be in our own hearts. You see, loving self and loving money and loving pleasure, that's not just a problem for those people. That's a problem for all people. We're all tempted to fall in that way. You see, all of us, in some sense, in our past or even now, are lovers of self and money and pleasure. That's the reason that we need a Savior. None of us loves God like He deserves. But Christ came to, to free us from the slavery to these false lovers, to show us the love that God first had for us as sinners. He came to put the love of God into our hearts. Jesus lived and died and, and rose again to give us the very love of God. So let's even watch our own lives. Let's repent of anything that we see in this list that's true of us. Any love of self or love of money or love of pleasure. And let's look to Jesus, the one who cleanses us from these sins. The one who truly loved us and allows us to truly love others and to truly love doing good and to truly love God. So brothers and sisters, in a world full of danger out there and in here, let's be watchful. So be careful, be watchful, and lastly, number three, be fruitful. Be fruitful. Paul summarizes the problem with these false teachers in verse five. Read it with me again. They have the appearance of godliness, but deny its power. What a statement. These men look godly, but there is no power in their life. Now that word appearance, 
means form or shape. They're in the form of faithful Christians. They take the shape of someone who is truly trusting the gospel. But just because it looks like the real thing doesn't mean it is the real thing. It's like when I was in elementary school and the cafeteria would serve veggie sticks. I mean, they looked like yummy, crunchy, warm fish sticks, but when you bit into them, man, they had cream of corn and peas and just nastiness inside. They looked great on the outside, but man, whew. These false teachers have that same appearance. They look godly. They look like they followed Jesus, but they're not the real deal. They deny its power. What does he mean by that? What does Paul mean by they have an appearance of godliness but deny its power? What exactly is the power of godliness? Well, the rest of the passage shows us. Just look at what happens in the lives of these men who deny the power of the godliness. They fail to bear good fruit for Jesus. And instead, they're bearing the fruit of evil and wickedness. I mean, notice how they take advantage of women. It says there in verse 6 and 7 that they, these men creep into the homes like slithering serpents. They capture women who are weak in the faith, who are burdened by sin, who are led astray by their passions. These women who are always learning but never able to come to the truth. Now, Paul is not putting women down here. He's not saying that all women are like this. He's saying these men have a particular ability to prey on women who are like this, to take advantage of these women rather than serving them and loving them and helping them to grow in their faith. So what's the fruit of their lives? They're taking advantage of women. Notice how they also oppose the, pr the truth. In verse 8, Paul compares these men to Janus and Jambres. These were two of the magicians that Pharaoh used to imitate the miracles of Moses. Go back and read it in Exodus 7. They stood opposed to God, and they were, in Paul's mind, these false teachers or false prophets. They were corrupted in mind and disqualified. And then notice Paul also says they're foolish. In verse 9, it says they will not get very far, and their folly will be plain to all. God will expose their foolishness. They will be shown to be fakes someday. The foolishness of opposing the truth will be seen by everyone. So you just read those verses, and this is the fruit of these false teachers. Abuse, corruption, and foolishness. That's not good fruit to bear for Jesus. You see, the power of godliness is the ability to bear good fruit in our lives. He says power. He's not talking about doing extraordinary things for God. It's about bearing fruit for Jesus. The power of godliness in our lives is the power to make us like Jesus. You see, you can have the appearance of being religious, but if you don't have Jesus, it doesn't matter. If you don't look like Jesus, it doesn't matter. Growing in godliness is not about being more and more religious. Growing in godliness is about being more and more like Jesus. It's about being like Christ. I wonder if you're here today and you're just trying to be more and more religious. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you think that you do, but whatever it is, you think, I just got to be more religious and that's going to make me good with God. 
Just got to pray more. I got to go to church more. I got to give more money away. Then surely God will accept me. Surely God will love me then. It doesn't work like that. You see, your only hope is that you would be like Jesus. And Jesus is the only one who can do that for you. Jesus lived and died and rose again to forgive us, to cleanse us, and to make us holy like him. And all the Bible calls us to do is to to believe, to trust in Jesus, to turn from our sin and to turn to Jesus and receive from him the gift. It's a gift of salvation. It's not earned through religion. It's a gift. And you can receive that gift today. Today you can call out to Jesus Turn from your sin, trust in him, and he will save you. He'll cleanse you, he'll make you new, and he will start the work of bearing good fruit in your life. If you do that today, you can join all of us then in growing to be more and more like Jesus. You see, Paul is calling us to avoid false teachers because they're not like Jesus. And they cannot help us be more like him. I mean, just look at our passage today. Is there anything in here that's like Jesus? Did I read anything and you say, yep, that's Jesus? No, not at all. Not a single word of this looks like Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the exact opposite of everything in this passage. I mean, just just look at it with me again. Look back at verse 2. Notice how he is the opposite of everything. He is a lover of others. He is generous. He is humble. He is lowly. He's kind. He's obedient. He's grateful. He's holy. He's compassionate. He's forgiving. He's understanding. He's self-controlled. He's gentle. He loves what is good. He is honest. He is wise. He is meek. And he loves God rather than pleasure. Jesus is the most beautiful display of what it looks like to bear fruit for God. And in him, we can be fruitful too. You see, Paul calls us to avoid false teachers because they cannot help us bear fruit for God. But avoiding the wrong person is not enough. We need to be with the right person. We need to be with Jesus. You see, Jesus is how we can be fruitful. Jesus is how we can avoid all of this stuff listed in this passage and all of these actions that these men do in verses 6 through 9. If Jesus is the vine, then we abide in him as the branches. And that's when he says, that's when we can bear much fruit. I mean, Jesus is the giver of the Spirit. And if we walk by the Spirit, we'll bear the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, Jesus is the light of the world. And if we walk as children of the light, we will bear fruit of all that is good and right and true. As Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, Jesus is how we can be fruitful. And so here's my final encouragement for us today as we seek to avoid false teachers. Avoid the false teachers, but not Jesus. Abide with Jesus. Stick with Jesus. Press into your relationship with Christ. 
press into his body, the church. Look to Jesus. Stare at Jesus. Treasure Jesus in your heart. I mean, how do you spot a fake? Well, you know the real thing really well. Jesus is the real thing. So let's know him really, really well. Friends, today God is calling us to avoid false teachers. He wants us to be careful. He wants us to be watchful. He wants us to be fruitful. But more than all of that, he wants us to know Jesus, to see Jesus, to trust Jesus, to treasure Jesus. He wants us to see the one who came into the world of evil and danger to rescue us from it. He wants us to trust the one who loved us even when we were lovers of self and lovers of money and lovers of pleasure. He wants us to treasure the one whose life and death and resurrection gives us the power of godliness, the power to bear fruit for God. Today, God wants us to know Jesus, and he wants us to know him really, really well. So well that false teachers are easier to spot than a shady email from a Nigerian prince. So brothers and sisters, let's avoid false teachers and let's stick with Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today, God. Lord, it's easy to be swept away in a popular book or a song or a preacher, Lord. But even as we sang earlier, God, that would you give us wisdom? Would you be our wisdom? Would you be our treasure so that these false hopes and these, these false teachings and these false gods don't entice us? Would you help us to be careful of the things that we receive? Would you help us to be watchful of the people's lives around us and of our own lives as well? God, would you help us to bear fruit for Christ by abiding in him, by pressing into our relationship with him, by sticking with him. God, we thank you for your word today, God. It, it helps us. It warns us. And I pray that you would show us Jesus today. God, as we seek to know him and as we know him, that we can know the fakes all around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.